Hello, everybody, and welcome to the PK Podcast. It's episode 9. It's currently Wednesday night, and I'm going to be talking about tons of things you need to know before Friday's action. Let's dive in. Hello, everybody. Hope you are doing well. Uh, It's currently 10.55 p.m., on Wednesday for me when I'm recording this podcast. Hope you guys are doing well. Thank you for tuning in. Um, We got a big slate of games coming up this Friday, and I'm excited. It's going to be a big night. I'll be in Altoona at Southeast Polk. Uh, I'll be recording action alongside, uh, I'll be with Nick Osen of Cyclone Alert 247. We'll be watching that game, and it's going to be action-packed. I'm excited for that game. But we've got a lot more to talk about than this Ankeny versus Southeast Poke. So let's dive in and tell you guys the format of this these Wednesday episodes I'm going to start doing. First off, we're going to start with the predictions. i got six games this week that I'm going to talk about in pretty in-depth who I think will win. Um, I already posted my predictions on Bound Iowa's Instagram page and I maybe Twitter. So just um, go check those out if you haven't already. Um, but and and then after the predictions we'll talk about storylines of this week, what's been happening through week three, what what do you need to know? The topics that will be who's been the best defense this year, what QBs are sticking out, overreaction correction is a segment I'm excited for. Then we talk about a couple players that I'm I'm hyped for, players to watch. I've got a list of, I believe, um, seven players that I'm going to talk about, eight if you count one of the storylines. So with further, with that being said, let's dive into predictions. First off, Thursday night game, we've got Lenmar versus Cedar Rapids of Washington. Um... Last year, Lenmar picked this one pretty handily, so it'll be interesting to see. This game will be at 7, not 7, so hold on. Let me double check. Don't want to be telling you guys the wrong game time now. This game will be at 7.15 at Kingston Stadium, so Cedar Rapids-Washington will be the home team. Um, they also got Iowa City West versus Davenport North um, for the Thursday night game, but we won't be really talking too much about that. I have Iowa City West winning pretty handily in that one. So, Lenmar versus Cedar Rapids, Washington. I'm excited to see this game. Lenmar just is coming off coming off a big game where they almost upset um, the top team in the East, in my opinion, in Pleasant Valley. Um, Lenmar really stepped up that game. Um, going into the stat sheet... I think PV had 200 rush yards, which is basically 200 total yards of offense that um, Lindmar held them to. And adding on that, oops, adding on to that, let's see, I'm, I do want to see their their uh, yards per play that Lindmar gave up because I believe it was pretty notable. They gave up 4.16 yards per play, 
And in case you don't know, the average yards per play given up per game this year has been 6.03. So they were two yards below average against a really good team. So Landmar's defense has obviously stepped up. I think they're physical up front. Their linebackers look good so far this year. Um, Landmar's always going to be a pesky physical team. Uh, Keaton Roskop is a guy you got to know. And then uh, Clayton Munsiniski's probably butchered that name. His younger brother. I'm going to put respect on his name. I'm not just going to call him his whatever his brother's dude, brother's name is. Um, I believe he's having a good season for them. Um, where, 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 where? Huh. Maybe I am wrong and he doesn't play football? Dylan. Dylan Monsansky, um 35 doesn't play defense i'm an idiot okay i figured he would have i swear i've seen him play defense um but keen ruskabat he's having a good year he's got five tackle for losses on the season uh kenick lechenberg i believe leads him in tackles he has four tackles for loss in the season as well so Lemar's defense has looked good this year um as for cedar Rapids, washington the team they face we've seen them struggle with 5a teams so far i believe since moving down, um, they're 0-3 against um, 5A teams. So that's a, a valid criticism of them. They have talent. They have Watts McBride, who's having a pretty terrific year, 200-plus rushing yards and four touchdowns, averaging about 5.5 yards per carry. He's also got a receiving touchdown on the year, and then also he had 12 tackles on the year, so he's – He's at all dual threat. Um, I believe J.C. Morrow called him one of the most valuable players in the state for any team. So um, I have Lenmar winning this game. I think that uh, Lenmar's physicality and the history of Cedar Rapids, Washington, struggling against 5A teams, I, I can't overlook it. I've got Lenmar winning 32-15 this game. Um which would be a pretty impressive win for them. I think that's almost a bold statement saying that they will win by about 17 points, I believe. So um, I'm going to pull up BC Moore here to tell you guys a spread of these teams. Um, doo -doo -doo -doo. All right, let's go by matchup 5A. All right, um, Lamar is, wow, whoa, 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 oh, whoa, just, that was week three, I was like, Lamar is, what, they were 23 point underdogs against that team, so, um, going back to it, I just think that, uh, physicality is gonna be a big part of this game, I think Lamar is gonna be able to score against Cedar Rapids Washington's defense, um, Kennedy had 27 points on Cedar Rapids, Washington. And I do think that Kennedy's offense, if they're dropping 27 on you, that's a problem because they are run first offense. That means they were rushing it down your throat. And uh, I think Lamar's going to be rushing the ball a lot with Carter Henderson. All right. Moving on to the next game. The big game of the week that everyone has been talking about. The rematch of the state championship last year, Ankeny versus Southeast Polk. Um, I have Southeast Polk winning this game. 
Um, I have them winning 27-20. to I think it will be a close game. And I think we're going to see Ankeny take a step in the right direction offensively. Um, but I don't think it's going to be enough to get it done because this Southeast Polk team has been so good this year. Uh, and their defensive line, I think, is the best in the state. If you have Obal, Kuro, and then Job Driven Woods, and then you got um, Sam Good also on the defense line. This team is really just effective at stop at disrupting and creating chaos. We've seen Smolik have turnovers against them. We have seen um, we've seen other quarterbacks struggle against the Rams this year. So I I honestly. Do see JJ Cole getting a little bit rattled this game? Uh, it's gonna be interesting to see if they take a step, like they've rattled Joaquin Northwestern Valley. Um, so I think this defense is really good. They're impressive. Um, they're impressive up front, up front, and their safety. I mean, their secondary has been more than serviceable for them this year. So they're surviving just fine. I think they get the dub at home. It'll be a massive win for them because um, Ankeny quite frankly, is dominated in the regular season. Um, and they still, despite losing last year's state championship, they're 11, Ankeny's 11-3 and three against Southeast Polk all time. Well, according to Varsity Bound, so it only dates back to 2008. But before that state championship win, we were talking about how Ankeny had beaten, um, actually it should be more, because it says Southeast Polk beat Ankeny 14-0 in 2020, and that was when Ankeny throttled them in the state championship. So it should be a, um, 12 and two. So Ankeny is quite frankly owned Southeast Polk for a majority of this decade, and well, not this, not even this decade, like the past 20 years, almost 12 years. About. Um, so I think this has to be game. If you're a Southeast Polk fan, you're decently worried still. You're not insanely confident. Um, I think these teams are contrasting styles. I think Ankeny's more spread-oriented, and they're more balanced. Ankeny, I mean, Southeast Spoke is a pure-run first team. They have over 100 rushing attempts on the season and only 55 passing attempts. We'll see if Ankeny stacks the box. I think their secondary is way better than the, like, will thrive off the matchups. They're going to get out wide. Carson Robbins, I mean, we, we aren't sure if... Southeast Polk has a legitimate outside threat. They haven't had that since um, they had a really good wide receiver that went to Mankato State. I think it was Isaiah Emanuel, uh, if I'm remembering correctly. So uh, I'm I'm worried about that for Southeast Polk because Jamison Patton, Ben Sandvig, and P.J. Westover, those three, those, that's a good secondary for them. They've, they've been pretty good so far this year, so... It'll be interesting to see how Moberly is able to pass the ball, if they even do, against Ankeny. But Abu Sama, I'm worried about Ankeny's talent in the box. Um, Abu Sama's been a freak this year. 42 carries, 359 yards, and seven rushing touchdowns in three weeks. Um, I think that is massive concern for Ankeny right now. They are giving up about what was it, 138 yards per game, and that would be way worse. Um, let me get that against 
the past two weeks, let's talk about it a little bit more recently because I think it's fair to say that the Waukee game is a big outlier in uh, that game. So, um, here, let me ch- let me just double-check a stat real quick I'm about to tell you guys. All right, yeah. So the past two games, Ankeny's given up 191.5 rushing yards a game. So that's a that's a cause for concern. We talked about Lindmar's defense is averaging 135.6 allowed yards per game. Now Ankeny's those past two games have been against Centennial, who we all know is a dominant running team, and then Dallin, who is really really took it, like said, we are running the ball against Inking. I believe they only had 19 passing attempts and like 40 plus rushing attempts. So, um, Ankeny's up, Ankeny up front defensively is going to have to prove something. I'm looking for Diego Jackson to kind of take a leap to be like a massive disruption on the defensive line. Alright. <clears throat> so, on to the next game, I got Iowa City High versus Dowling. Another massive game. This is probably the second best game of the um, in the state for 5A. Um, Iowa City High versus Dowling. Last year, we saw a crazy trick play um, that allowed uh, Iowa City High to make score literally a season-changing win. Um, them winning that game propelled them into a front-running seat to get into the dome for uh, sub-states. Um, I think this up front, I'm extremely interested to see how this goes. I think Dowling has a massive advantage up front uh, with their offensive line. And um, I'm interested to see how Rashad Davis and C.J. Phillip are able to attack this City High defense. Ben Keeter is obviously going to rack up 10-plus tackles. That's what he does. But I do want to see someone else on City High defensively prove it. I'm worried about their secondary with Cooper Nicholson. I think he'll be disruptive to their secondary uh on Friday, I think Smolik's gonna be able to find him. They run these short, quick routes that are gonna get open, and then they can they can get you with a deep passing play if you're falling asleep on the back end. Um, I, I picked Dowling to win this game. I believe I picked them pretty handily to win this game. Um, I, I have Dowling winning thirty to seventeen. Um, I I think at home. I mean, that's such a big advantage for Dowling. I don't think there's going to be a lot of fans there for Iowa City High. We'll see. Could prove me wrong. There could be a big wave of red uh, at Valley Stadium on Friday. But overall, I think Dowling's offense is going to be able to get things done. And I think their defense does give up some points because Drew Larson has been really good this year. But I don't think it's enough that it'll be an extremely close game. All right. Kind of breeze through that one. Um, on to the next one, we got Johnson versus Joaquin Northwest. Um, I think this is a Will Nuss prove it game. I'm assuming Will Nuss is getting the starting job against Joaquin Northwest. They do have Adrian Broadis, who's another quarterback that has played for them in the past, so we'll have to see. But um, it's a Will Nuss prove it game for me because the Joaquin Northwest, not that they're an elite team, but last year they throttled Johnson 31 to zero. So I'm interested to see if. Johnson kind of has been that team they got kind of dominated against um, they got dominated by Cedar Falls so this is kind of the next team that if they dom- if they, I'm saying they need to win handily 
for it to be kind of a prove-it game because the good teams in the reality is dom have dominated Waukee Northwest. We've seen Southeast Polk dominate Waukee Northwest. We've seen Dowling dominate Waukee Northwest. And we've seen Valley defensively dominate Waukee Northwest. So um, I think this is kind of a prove-it game for Johnson. I'm excited to see this game because Johnson's defense has proved to be very effective uh, this year. I believe they're right up there as one of the top teams yards per play-wise giving up 4.41, and remember, the average is 6.03 this year so far. So, I think that's a valid thing to be that Joaquin and Fuss needs to worry about because their offense has not been it this year. I know they scored 21 points against um, Southeast Polk and 19 against Dowling. Uh, yeah, Dowling, but I believe those were late touchdowns that, didn't, for, quite frankly, just don't matter. And um, So... I need to see Waukee Northwest prove it to me offensively for me to kind of respect them in that sense. But um, Johnson, um, I'm, I'm excited for this one. I think Jacob Simpson it could be set up to have a really good game. Rex Woodley had a massive game uh, wide receiver for Johnson last night. I mean, last night, last week. So we'll be. I'm interested to see um, this how Will Nuss does specifically because Will Nuss has tore it up last game. I believe he had like 208 yards and a good amount of touchdowns. So, um, it, that game is definitely a, kind of a sleeper, honestly, because of there's two front runners for game of the week and then another game that I have kind of as a sleeper Cedar Falls versus Ankeny Centennial. I My storyline for this game is the battle of the defenses. Um, Centennial, uh, has been a good defensive team for a while now, the past two years. Honestly, I think that they're going to be able to limit Cedar Falls' uh, offense quite easily because um, I, quite frankly, don't know a player on Cedar Falls that's going to be able to take over a game. We haven't even seen that yet. I mean, they dominated Johnson, and it was 14-0. Their offense has a ceiling that is killing them right now. I believe it goes, they dropped 57 on Waterloo West, but besides that, they've dropped 21 points total in the other two games, and those were against Prairie and who they lost to, and then Johnson, who they dominated week one in the Dome. Might remember that. Um, so they also haven't had a big travel yet this year. They played at the Dome twice, and they went to Waterloo, which is right across town. So my nickname for that game would be Battle of the Defenses. I think this game... Will be exciting if you're a big defense fan. I think it's like 17 to 10 this game. Um, I, I think that was in my prediction. Uh, I'll double check. Yep, 17 to 7. I don't. I, yeah, I, I actually really like that because I don't think Cedar Falls can put up more than seven, um, which is detrimental. They need that. Um, Drew Campbell probably finished with like two tackles or losses, even more. Um, but I think Centennial overall, athlete wise, they have the quarterback advantage. They have the running back advantage. They have a wide receiver slash tight end advantage with Chase Shetty, so I'm confident with Centennial in that one. And then I kind of I threw this game in there because hey, Davenport West is three 0 and I gotta give them the respect. They play Davenport Central, a crosstown team. They have the chance to be four and heading into Week Five. They do play a tougher schedule after Week Four. Um, I believe they play like Hempstead, PV, and Bettendorf, and other teams that could be a problem for them overall now the reality is do I think this team will make the playoffs I 
don't right now. I absolutely do not right now. I think they'll make the playoffs. But is it fun to speculate that they're five? They could be four and zero heading into week five. And I mean, it, it's in their boat. It's in their hands. If you're five four and zero, you have a chance to just steal one of these games. I mean, Muscatine could be a brawl. They play Muscatine the last game of the season. If they can beat Dubuque Hempstead, we're talking about a playoff team. They would be, I believe, six and three. Uh, and I think Iowa City High and Cedar Rapids Canadian Dubuque Senior can carry their win percentage um, for their RPI formula. So, hey, if you're a Falcon fan, pencil in week five and week s- nine. Week nine. Uh, those are the two games, must-win games if you want to make the playoffs. Um, we'll talk about who's been standing out for them because I feel like they're a team that's kind of undercovered. No one's really talked about them that much. I haven't even talked about them that much. So um, I talked to them. I do have Davenport West winning this game, and I believe a pretty handy margin because I don't think Davenport West centrally. I have them winning by 12 points, 26 to 14. Funky score, why not? Throw that in there. Um, but, yeah, on to the next segment of the show. Storylines that we should talk about. So I think this will be interesting. I think that um, we don't really have a, a segment anywhere or any news that kind of just talks about the main storylines that are happening right now. Uh, the morning, Cody Goodwin comes out with the, like, what we learned, but I don't think that tells like the overarching picture of the story, I mean, of the season. Uh, sorry, I had to take a drink. Pleasant Valley's defense is the first thing I'm going to be talking about. Pleasant Valley. They have looked extremely good defensively to start the season. We expected this. They have Andrew DePape. They have Tate. Um, they have Rusty Van Wetzinger. They have um, um, Tage Lion, or I, th- I believe his name is. I'm sorry. You, I had him on my All-State team last year. I don't know why I'm all of a sudden suspect on whether I got him right with uh, the name because I believe he has a twin like they're little lion twins or something so um, that has to be wrong sorry I'm looking at the stats and Sioux City West is 63 tackles for loss the next closest team is 39 um okay so uh, I believe 10 sacks um, they're tied for the lead in sacks this year. They have 23 tackles for last. This is Pleasant Valley, by the way. Um, uh, this team is impressive defensively. They're, um, they're allowing the one of the best in the state, I believe, second, with four point, I mean, a 3.97 yards per play average. Again, I've said this 400 times, I believe, by now in this podcast episode, but the average is 6.03. Um, 4.3 points per game allowed this season they lead the state in that number um so this Pleasant Valley defense is for real I believe they're gonna dominate the eastern side of Iowa with this defense um especially with how they they manage the game uh with their rushing attack um so Pleasant Valley's defense you need to know about that team let's talk about some of the players on this team we know Andrew DePape is the main kind of freak on that team um he is an impressive athlete. Um, so we'll throw in. So we got Rusty Van Wetzinger. He's got 22 tackles this year. Three tackle for a lot. Three and a half tackles for us. So Poppy has three sacks. 
um, on the season and only five tackles. So, hey, it's, it's a it's a strikeout or home run at the plate right now. Tate Lyon, thank God I looked at that. I would have been so mad if I messed up his name. Tate Lyon, 21 tackles on this season. And then um, Joey Van Wetzen has an idea. He's got three tackle losses, two sacks. He's looked impressive. He's only a sophomore. He made all state um, last year. And then William DePape, Andrew DePape's brother, three and a half tackles, two ta- sacks, three tackle losses. So this team gets sacks. Sacks is the name of the game. Pause. Um, all right, on to the next storyline. I want to talk about what QBs are sticking out right now. I've got a list of five names right now that I think need to be talked about. Um, but I'm not going to be going super in-depth like a film breakdown. But I'm just going to be saying their names, talking about where their teams stand and stuff like that. So what QBs are sticking out? I got first Jack Simon of Dubuque Senior. Quarterback, it was a massive question for Dubuque Senior coming into the season. They uh, they just lost out. They just uh, lost Jack Gilligan due to graduation. And he was one of the most electrifying quarterbacks in the state last year. And so far, he has six passing touchdowns this year. No interceptions. 602 passing yards, which is, I believe, top five in the state. 61% completion percentage. Uh, very, uh, that's a serviceable completion percentage for a high school quarterback. And uh, two rushing touchdowns to throw in with those six passing touchdowns. And uh, once I saw that, it kind of jumped up. 73% of his total yards are from Walker Tart. So this team has a clear wide receiver one in Walker Tart, which he is. He deserves more recruiting attention. I said that in the last episode. So this is this is a team that's gonna be looking number six's way, and um, it's gonna be interesting to see if this production keeps up throughout the year. They're gonna play tougher teams um, eventually. It's not like they just get to coast and keep airing the ball out all all season to Walker Tart. But here's what I will say: they've got Waterloo West coming up. That's an easy one for them. They'll be three and one heading into Kennedy. They play Kennedy at home. Um, they'll be home. That's a massive game. They could win that game. I want to count them out. They almost won last year, and I believe Kennedy was better last year, immensely better last year. And then they played Davenport West. They should win that game, even though Davenport West has looked better. Muscatine, they should win. And then they got PV and Cedar Falls. Two brutal games in the season, but hey, we'll see how they actually we play games for a reason. We can't just project they're going to lose those games. So Jack Simon is my first name. Um, if you don't know who Jack Wallace is by now, he started as a freshman last year at Iowa City West. Um, he looked okay, kind of a rough start for him, but this year he's turned it on. Six passing touchdowns and one interception, I believe. Um, he's also mobile. I think he's a threat with his legs. I really liked him so far. I'm ex- I mean, I'm waiting on him to get some offers because he's been hyped up over the course of the past two years um, on 247 and stuff like that. Uh, people know the name Jack Wallace. I think he's a quarterback that's sticking out right now. Um, he's kind of the, the reason Iowa City West has been uh, a two-in-one team so far. Um, and he really performed against Sioux Rapids Kennedy. It just um, sucks that they uh, and their defense really just couldn't stop the run. Um, okay, Davenport West's quarterback. Here we go. Might not know this name. Brady Hansen. 
10 total touchdowns to start the season. I believe that's tied for the lead with Dallas Saucer. Um, listen, Brady Hansen, 451 yards on the uh, passing, so he's not up there passing-wise, but five touchdowns and only one interception is key. I love my quarterbacks that don't turn over the ball. 43.5 completion percentage, that's bad. I, I'm, that's worrisome. Only completing below 50% is bad, but he he's an elite rushing threat. He averaged like nine yards per carry, 212 rushing yards, and five rush touchdowns. So Brady Hansen is a guy you got to key in on. Um, he's obviously the player of of that team that's going to lead them to the playoffs if they do make the playoffs. So um, keep a name out for him. He could be having some massive games for the Falcons. Um, next quarterback, I'm going to be talking about Cole Ritchie. Cole Ritchie, um, Sioux City East quarterback. His passing numbers are ridiculous. Um, they really let it fly with him, um, and I like to see that. He uh, threw seven passing touchdowns, I think, last year in the last game of the season because Luke Longvel was hurt. So Ritchie's really taking over the reign uh, for the, the Sioux City East, and uh, they're dominating the western side of Iowa right now. It's not a competition for them. So we're, I'm really interested to see um, their their talent stack up against Central Iowa. I think it's pretty favorable that they play Walking Northwest, and right now I think Walking Northwest is kind of a down team. I, I don't I I need to see some offensive playmaking ability by Walking Northwest before I'm on that train. Um, and then the last quarterback has to be kind of obvious: Dallas Saucer, over a thousand passing yards right now. It's been three weeks, and he's already over 1,000 passing yards. Ten touchdowns, four interceptions. He, he's throwing the ball in the same amount of time. So he's going to throw picks. Um, I, he's going to lead them in the playoffs. He's the reason they're in that conversation. They should make the playoffs. I think they're a 13-16 seed, in my opinion. Um, really impressive stats from Dallas Saucer. Jalen Luth is his guy. I'm sure I could do the same type of stat with that I did with Walker Tart and Jack Simon from Dubuque Senior, where Jalen Luth gets a majority of those targets, but um, I can't... I, I won't do that right now. <clears throat> Alright, on to the next segment of the show. Over, the overreaction correction uh, segment. I'm going to be talking about three Three storylines type, type maybe type things. I want to call them storylines, but three topics. Um, I'm gonna be talking about: Is it overreaction? Is everyone like, is it that big of a, a worry for this team's fan base right now? Is it gonna pose them problems in the playoff? So, let's dive in first. I think this has been the biggest surprise of the year so far, in my opinion. Is Ankeny's offense slow start? Now, we saw them last year um, start off slow. The thing is, this team exploded week three. They dominated Dowling. Then they dominated Southeast Polk at home. Then they just literally didn't look back. They lost to Valley, but they also put up like 35 points against Valley. So the offense was not at fault. Um, they put up like 40-plus points a game after that after um, that bad game against Centennial. So... We're, we're talking about an offense that we know can explode because they have J.J. Cole at quarterback. They replace Colin Kadoff with Jason Williams, who's more than capable of at least becoming, filling that gap to a T. 
at least a little bit. Kadoff, I think, is, has had a way better season last year than Jason has had now. But, I mean, it's still, Jason Williams is an elite tailback, possibly one of the best in the state. So there's no, you can't complain about losing Kadoff. And then Jameson Patton out wide. And Will Heinrichs has been a kid has had massive games. I won't say he's been a consistent capable wide receiver, but he's had big games for Ankeny, um, specifically against Valley last year. He had like 200 total yards and like three touchdowns or something crazy like that. So um, if, if Ankeny can see more production from the passing game, which I think is the biggest issue right now, I, JJ has to explode. He, he has his passing stats just aren't good right now. I believe he's like two passing touchdowns, three interceptions, and like 500 total yards. Um, it's not going to cut it. They need him to be leading the passing yard, yard game, like story. They, they, he needs to be the best quarterback in the state. He's rated as the best quarterback in the state on most recruiting sites. So when Ankeny's offense, they need to see that. Is it overreaction to say they're a bad offense right now? Yes. They have elite talent. It's Ankeny. They've been a good offense the past three years. Um, their offensive line is good. They've got Drew Monsivis, Joe Kingston, Ryan Mayer. Those three are all returning starting offensive linemen. Um, so I think it's an overreaction to say they're just going to be a bad offense. They're going to explode at some point. They're going to have big games. We're just waiting to see when. That's the, the biggest story is when. Um, I think they're a dangerous team to play in the playoffs. You do not want Ankeny getting to a point where they're underrated because, I mean, that team's got D1 talent all over the field on that. Uh, so you do not want to see them in the playoffs as, like, a a one seed from the East having to play Ankeny. That would suck. All right. On to the next team. I'm going to the next storyline. Is Valley in trouble? They just lost to Urban Hill. And I want to find the exact how long it's been since they have lost. I mean, yeah, lost to Urban Hill. Um, ooh, come on. Let me think. It was an insane amount of time. Don't want to spend too much time looking for it. All right. Last time they beat that Urbandale beat Valley was 2009. Like, that is 13 years ago. That that was the last time Valley has lost to Urbandale. Is this an overreaction to drop Valley to out of your top 10 rankings? Like some, like the Register of the Gazette did. I think the Register did. I'm not 100% sure, but the Gazette I know did. Valley does not have Xavier Robertson. And I think this is one of the most underrated aspects of Valley right now. They do not have a deep threat right now. Aiden Price is getting keyed on, and I don't think he's been able to be effective because you, you can lock in on one wide receiver. If the other two wide receivers can't do anything, there's no threat. Um, you, can, you can shut down one guy, um, especially when you're playing good defenses like Urbandale. So quarterback, I, I mean... This sophomore, I'm not, I'm not scared of his ability yet. Like if I'm playing him, I'm not scared of him yet. I think he's obviously he's got talent. If you are a double check, if you're oh he's a senior, I'm an idiot. I'm talking about their running back, um, Michael Provenza. He's a senior. 
Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm not scared of the quarterbacks um, right now. But, I mean, Bryce Anderson leading your team with 34 receiving yards, that, that just can't happen uh, if you want to win a game against a good defense. Um, Darius Mason, hey, I have him on. You're going to hear about him coming up. But, hey, I think that's a name to watch coming up. Um, I, I just, I, for Valley, it's an overreaction. They're Valley. They're going to be good. They're, they have a very good chance of being a top-four team in the state. Um, they dominated Pleasant, Pleasant Valley. Remember that last year. Just keep that in mind. They dominated Pleasant Valley to go to the state. So I wouldn't be overreacting just yet. I know that I said last year it's this year. The reality is that every given year that's a different team that can be good, but I think Valley's going to be just fine. They're lacking their explosive wide receiver, and they're going to get him. And I think people are going to realize, like, oh, Valley does have a good offense, and they're going to be a dangerous team to play. And just like I said with Ankeny, do you do not want Valley to be an underrated team coming in the state, um, to, uh, state coming in playoffs. So, um, and the last team I'm going to talk about is Joaquin Northwest overreacting to them. But we saw this last year, uh, kind of there was an overreaction that they were a bad team. I think I said multiple times Joaquin Northwest is the best 0-3 team ever last year. Um, they have they play literally one of the most brutal schedules I've seen. They have the hardest schedule in the state. You could maybe argue Southeast Polk could have a harder schedule, but I think Joaquin Northwest given they don't have as much talent, just has a harder schedule. Um, they literally don't have a break besides Sioux City West. I mean, you could say Sioux City East is a break, but hey, Sioux City East, if Joaquin Northwest is their championship. If they beat Joaquin Northwest, they're locked in the playoffs. So you're getting Sioux City East best. So I wouldn't even say that that's a cut, uh, easy win for them necessarily. So Joaquin Northwest, I mean, I, I don't see an offense that can compete right now. Quite frankly, Carson Rankin last year at least can maybe take over a game a little bit with his legs. Um, but I just don't see a, a threat offensively. Their defense has kind of taken a step back. Um, I mean, they just aren't as good. I think Brady Grisham is a talented back, so I would be um, watching out for him. But I just I, I do think it's a reaction right now. We, Johnson is a big game for them. If they can prove they're at least either close with them or they can beat them, I think uh, the Wolves can prove that they're a team you need to take seriously. But, I mean, as of right now, I mean, they don't, they just are a team lacking of any offense. And they don't have the defense that's scary yet. Um, so that will wrap up the overreaction correction segment. We'll do that every Wednesday. Just making sure you're not overreacting about some random headline. Um, another another storyline I want to talk about is Rashad Davis from Dowling Catholic. He's a running back. I think he's he's an underrated tailback. His stats aren't going to blow you out of your seat. 203 yards, 4.8 yards per carry, two touchdowns. He's taken over the starting job. C.J. Phillip kind of started off the season, I believe. Um, and I don't think Rashad got that many touches week one, but week two and week three, he he was a workhorse. I believe it's back-to-back games with 100-plus rushing yards for him, so you need to be uh, looking at this kid. He's a dog. He's a, he's extremely shifty. He has great vision. Um, he's hard to bring down. 
it's tough to just tackle in open space. So I think that Rashad Davis is a name you need to know. He's only a sophomore. I think he's Dowling's next tailback that's dominant. They've kind of been looking for that ever since Gavin Williams, to be frank. Um, Middleton was good. He was tough to tackle, but um, I want to say he's like a takeover, blow-it-up game. I mean, blow-it-up running back. So um, I think you just make sure you're looking out Rashad Davis. I think he's a big storyline. If he can be, if he can kind of explode, I think right now he's kind of lurking. If he explodes, I mean, you're there. Uh, for Dowling, you're talking the championship. They're a great team. Uh, sleeper playoff teams is the next uh, segment I want to be talking about. Um, I got three, four teams that I'm just going to say. Ames. If you want to call them sleeper at this point, I don't even think they're sleeper. I think they're a lock to make the playoffs. If they don't make the playoffs, I'll be shocked. It's all on them. They'll have to lose a game they shouldn't lose. Davenport West, they just got to win one of those last, like, five game or four games, and they're golden. They're making the playoffs. Um, they're going to be 4-0 most likely coming into week five. Like, it's on them. They just need, they're probably going to get beat up if they can win one game. Out of those last four, I think they could be. They're gonna be in the playoff combo. So City East, at this point, lock for the playoffs. Western Iowa has just not even been able to be on it on the same level as them. Um, so I think they're gonna dominate those teams in Western Iowa, and then if they can, they'll beat Des Moines East most likely. That's don't let Jakari Patton dominate you. If you're a Sioux City East fan, that's what you'd be scared about. But Nick Wells has been an absolute dog on the defensive end, and um, I, and we all know that uh, Cole Ritchie's a dog as well. Keelan Jacobson is another name. He's their wider series. He's had a really good season to start. Uh, um, Centennial. Centennial is going to make the playoffs, people. Their RPI is going to be juiced due to the fact they also have an absolute bruised schedule. This also... Um, correlates with Rocky Northwest. They're both going to have juiced RPIs because of how hard the schedule they play. Centennial, if they win against Cedar Falls, they're back in the driver's seat. I think they're they're easily a team that can, that you're honestly talking about. You're you're starting to kind of be like, all right, what team are we going to play? Like, you're not just like, can we get in? You're thinking, what team am I going to play? Um, so Centennial, they'll, they'll play Irmdale, I believe, coming up soon. That'll be their next biggest game. They do play Sioux City East. They better handle that game. They, they have a, they're an athletic team. Elijah Porter is a dude that I think has kind of been underrated. This dude is electric when he has the ball in his hands. Um, I think he's had a rushing touchdown every single game. Um, rushing touchdown or more. All right. On to the next, I'm just going to name literally, I believe it was seven players. Yeah, seven players. I've talked about a couple of these players already. Um, just keep an eye on them. Um, they're gonna be they're they're having good seasons or I think they're talented. Um, I talked about this on Twitter recently, um, very recently. I just I literally just tweeted about it today. Um, Obal Nile Kuru. Hope I'm saying your name right, my man. Um, this year he's off gonna kind of start six tackles, so five solo, but he's an inside defensive lineman, and last year he had 51 tackles. That is absurd. For inside defensive lineman, that's Dominic Wiseman level numbers. Now Dominic Wiseman played nine games. This man played like twelve. So 
don't don't be overreacting. Like Dominic, I'm saying this is the next Dominic Wiseman. Like he's going to Iowa. Like I'm just saying this dude's gonna get some type of offer. I know maybe the Cyclones are on him a little bit. Not, I can't guarantee that, but um, coaches are definitely probably seeing him right now. Um, so watch out for him. Brady Hansen, we talked about ten total touchdowns this year, tied for the lead. Been the reason Davenport West is three and zero. Uh, Jack Simon, I talked about him, Dubuque senior. Um, he has been the dude that Walker Tart needs to get in the ball, and that's huge for them. If he can continue this type of production, Dubuque senior is going to be playing in um, in the playoffs. Christian Janis, haven't talked about him yet. Iowa City West, big play threat. The definition of big play threat. Jack Wilson looks his way on these types of plays. He has 372 receiving yards this year. Five total touchdowns and 26.6 yards per catch, which I might lead the state. I'm not I'm guaranteeing that. But um, he's been extremely impressive. He's an athlete. He's quick. Um, he's got great release. Um, he's a good route runner. So definitely keep an eye on Christian Janis for obviously West. He could put up a pretty substantial receiving season. Nick Wells from Sioux City East. I mentioned his name briefly in the sleeper playoff team segment. Um, he has 26 tackles on the year, 17 total, 13 and a half tackle for losses, which leads the state comfortably. Um, four and a half sacks as well. Now, I believe he had literally one of the craziest performances I've ever seen. 12 tackle for losses, I believe he had against. Um, against I think it was Glenn. No, not even Glenn. One. It was against like some. I think it was week one. That is nuts. Like, 12 tackle for losses? Like, you're unguardable. You're not even... Like, to have 13 and a half as a team is impressive. I mean, 12 as a team is decently impressive. So that's definitely something you need to know. Um, someone you need to know, because, um, frankly, Central Iowa people, you probably don't know who's balling out in Sioux City. So if you're walking Northwest Centennial or Des Moines Eastern, Keep an eye out for number 55. Cole Rogers from Southeast Pogue is my next guy. 12 and a half tackles on the year, 11 solo, but he's got three interceptions. My nickname for this man is the user lurk for Madden. Like he, He's been ball hawking and getting interceptions in that linebacking spot. So I think he's kind of a leader of this team um, defensively in that linebacking core. Um, and mix him with that defensive line. Kind of just, I think that's been there recently. South Post defense is so good. Um, and Darius Mason from Valley is my next guy. Sophomore running back. Kind of mentioned him briefly, I think, below, before this. Um, he's a sophomore running back. He's got 253 yards, 59 carries, 4.3 yards per carry. 59 carries is the biggest thing for me. Valley trusts this man with the ball. They think he's a he's going to be a big-time piece for them. So I'm excited to see when he can kind of get freed up when Xavier Robinson comes back. But um, I think he's a name to note. If you're a sophomore and you're playing varsity at tailback, you're going to be a great probably by your senior year. Um, and the last player on the list, Chase Lamb out of Walking Northwest, three tackles, 26 solo, one tackle plus. Leads the state in solo tackles. This man uh, got was up there last year. Um, I... I an impressive season from them, from him, Walking Northwest. He's probably anchoring them defensively. I haven't watched a lot of film on them yet, but 
Um, he's definitely a dude that you need to keep an eye on if you're playing the Wolves coming up. All right, that'll do it for episode nine of the PK podcast. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I appreciate you guys. Um, I'll definitely be coming out with my recap episode coming up on Sunday, so please tune into that. I'm excited for Friday. DM me on Twitter if you have any uh, any takes, any questions, any anything um, at Paul Arridge on Twitter, and then follow the PK Podcast Twitter, and also follow Bound Iowa where I work because um, we're pumping out great content daily over there on Instagram and Twitter. All right, that'll do it. Thank you guys for listening. Have a great night, and uh, thank you for tuning in.